there, Queens. I'm Dr. Leslie Branch. And I'm Lanier Logan, and this is Hear Me. Black women define the narratives that shape us. Hear Me weaves contemporary and historical weekly conversations to create stronger bonds and lasting legacies. Hear Me is a sacred space where we discuss and define narratives that shape and define who society says we are and find common ground on the things that unite us. She is me, I am her, and we are Hear Me. All right, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> so clearly we are at, uh, hello everyone, we are at new recording times. We are bright and early, 7 a.m. So this is... But we ain't bushy tail, that's for sure. <laughs> no, we, we kind of cute, we kind of cute and popping over here. <laughs> Don't believe the hype. <laughs> So, uh, so one of the things that you're going to notice now, um, we have released our sixth episode and so it was some, some technical difficulties, especially on my end. Sorry. So this coming Tuesday, we're going to be posting two episodes, episode six and episode seven. But what's cool about this is that episode six was our last episode that was pre-recorded months in advance. So we are literally recording in the same week that the podcasts are released. So it's pretty cool. We're going to be up to date and talking about things that are happening uh, right now. So I guess before we get started, like what's new anyway? What's happening? I feel like so much stuff happened this week. Um, So actually when you said that, and I don't know why this happened, but when people say things, sometimes it triggers a song in my head. And so you said, what's new? And the song that came to mind, uh, I think it was Tom Jones. Um, what's new? Scare. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's new? Scare. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, that, is, that is totally not my age group. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not mine either, but... Um, I just remember it from when they used to have those, I don't know if they were called variety shows, but uh, you know, people would get on and just sing like Donnie and Marie and, and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I feel like the only thing I know about Tom Jones is Carlton loved Tom Jones from Fresh Prince. Okay. Avelia. That's the only thing I know, but um, you really threw me for that one. Well, there, there's a connection. Well, hopefully some, some of our listeners can vibe with that, you know. Bless their hearts. <laughs> Bless their hearts. Heart. So, um, John, uh, whose funeral was this week? Uh, John Robert Lewis, the yeah. representative from Georgia, I believe the 5th District. And I think he was the last of the Mohicans, so to speak, in terms of folks who vibed with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. And so, you know, he was referred to as the conscience of Congress. And so now, you know, that Congress has no conscience. And this is an excellent segue. Um, Not so much the House, but certainly the Senate. Um, Unfortunately, today, today, well, not unfortunately, but today is Friday. 
And unfortunately, Congress has recessed without extending uh, any stimulus money for people who are unemployed. And America's unemployment rate on a, I guess, daily or weekly basis is is totaling into the millions. Mm-hmm. And, and so they, they fail to make the moral decision to renew this stimulus package of $600 on top of what people are getting in their regular unemployment. And they're not back, I guess, until August or September, late August or September. So mm-hmm. what are people gonna do, you know? That, so that's, <laughs> that's kind of what's new. And then also I think if it's not expired already, the rent moratorium here in New York City is going to expire, and then landlords are talking about turning people into the streets. I think we talked about that last week yeah. or, or something. Um, and then on some uh, some good news, this week I was uh, blessed to participate in a virtual webinar with the Bronxville President's Office on COVID-19 and its impact on the Black and Latinx community in the Bronx. And President Diaz asked me to bring the smoke, and that's what I did. I brought the smoke. Uh-oh. You brought the smoke. I brought it. We have to I make sure it. that we put that link on um, on our Twitter to show everyone um, all of the stuff that you're doing like behind the scenes um, that's not directly related to the podcast. I think that would be pretty dope for people to start seeing that. Um, What I thought was really cool, and I'm trying not to be um, anybody's, gloating over any celebrities, but Auntie O, her and I have been having a a very strained relationship this year. (laughs) And, but yesterday she released her old magazine and Brianna Taylor was on the cover. And she has, I mean, in 20 years, never put anybody else on the cover. And I thought it was such a bold statement. I have um, Breonna Taylor scheduled into uh, into my schedulers for my tweets. Mm-hmm. So every few days it goes off. Um, something goes off about Breonna Taylor, even if I'm just like, you know, I'm sorry, Breonna Taylor, that you like still haven't gotten justice. And it was so crazy to see her on the cover because she's such a beautiful young lady. Yeah. But it just, she never really got to live her life. Like she did the things that she needed to do. She um, started a career as an EMT, went to school, was able to become an EMT. Who knows like where she could have went. She didn't even get the opportunity to be a wife or to be a mom. And it's just crazy because everything goes with her. Like she wasn't, and I'm huge on like creating a legacy and leaving something behind. And she never got the opportunity to do that. So every time I see her picture, I just always feel like, like we got to do something. Something has to give. Not really sure what to do at this point when the government is literally looking at you like too bad. Oh, well. And excuse me, get off my lawn. Well, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, that's, that is crazy. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that often crosses my mind, just 
watching the descent that this country is headed into is <clears throat> if I needed to, you know, pick another country to live in, where would it be? Yeah. I think we all thinking about that. Like the ones who can get up and go, where do I want to go? Because there is different levels of extremes of experiences of racism or um, in different places. And right now, the United States is showing that they don't take accountability um, for anything, any wrongdoings on their part. Right. So it could, it could be scary to see what happens next. Yeah. Since well, so many things are going unaccounted for or going, um, not being taken care of. I know yesterday, um, everybody's favorite president posted some foolishness as usual. Um, I was looking for it on my Instagram because I know I had it where he, um, he mentioned that, I think this was after John Lewis. It may have been one of his uh, press briefings or something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for it because I was so annoyed, but um, we can keep going and just jump right in. So today is episode eight and we are talking about where is my stimulus check? I actually got a stimulus check, finally. Oh, really? Yeah, I got one last uh, two weeks ago. Wow, so I guess there's hope for me. I, I haven't gotten one. Um, and, and I know that I do not make uh, a bunch of money that would preclude me from getting one. So maybe the post office is just behind schedule or maybe the, they ran out of ink at the printing thing where they do the checks or whatever it is. So wait, um, you really didn't get a stimulus? Well, no, what constitutes people getting one? Because I feel like I, I wasn't thinking about it, but I didn't think that I was going to get. Well, I guess it depends on, uh, I think it depends on what your, your income is. Now, whether that income is your gross or your adjusted gross, I, I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. But a family of t a married couple, which is me and my husband, between the two of us, I don't think we make the amount that was the cutoff, uh, but we didn't get a stimulus check, which should have been, I want to say $2,400. But mm -hmm. then I wonder if because for 2020, we owe taxes, uh, they maybe just kept it. No, I think because I owe taxes too, mm -hmm. and you get the stimulus. It's just when you um, because I owe taxes and I still have, I had to make a payment, but I still got the stimulus check, well, and I just got my stimulus check actually like two yeah. weeks ago, and I wasn't even expecting it, but they still gave it to me. I mean, if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, you know, I'm not gonna. Uh, be checking the mailbox every five minutes because that's not productive. I will just, uh, you know, do what I can with what I have. And like the rest of America, if I don't have it, Mr. and Ms. 
debt collector, you'll have to wait until I can get it. <laughs> so, I mean, let's think about that, right? Like what, so I know that the stimulus, cause I keep talking, I keep hearing about people who benefited the most, right? So this stimulus package, it was just a one-time payment or are there people, is this included in the conversation of some people got stimulus checks and then they received um, money every week? Was that a part of the stimulus package? So I believe it is considered part of the stimulus uh, package. It's in, in the overall scheme of things, right? So the stimulus check was the 2400 for married folks or the 1200 for individual folks, depending on your um, <clears throat> your income. And then I think you got 600 additional for each kid in your house or something like that. Well, I, I think it was 500 bucks. Oh. But then for, for folks who were hit by unemployment, they were able to collect unemployment. But then on top of that, there was this extra $600 that was included for a limited time because the regular amount of 600 of uh, whatever employment unemployment is and I guess it's I don't know if it's 600 or 500 it's weekly it's not enough to tide you over or tide the people over so it's so been, they got 1200 a week on top no. of a stimulus so some people received $1,200 a week, if I'm not mistaken, because that unemployment, it ended this week, I believe. Right. So $1,200 a week, which is way more than what some people were even making in the first place. So $1,200 a week, I guess that happened for six months or was it five months? Because this started in March or April. It may have, I believe it may have started in, in March, possibly. Um, but I, so I don't know if people got 1200 a week because they qualified for the extra 600 that they were, that, that uh, the government decided to give people on top of whatever the regular no but that is. that has that was the point they got a large amount of money weekly so i know like some of the arguments have been like all right you amassed probably like 17,000 almost 20,000 in you know a matter of 4 months what are you doing with that like people have been shopping like crazy um, buying up cars. I know somebody that I know does, sells cars in Philly and they fix up the cars out of damage. He has no cars because people were, they use their money to come in and buy cars. And I'm just like, so, but I think that, right. So there's that argument and, and not to say that it's not valid, but think about it. The whole point of money or one of the whole points of money is to spend it. And that was part of, when you think of what stimulus means, it means to stimulate, right? And 
what they want people to do with the stimulus money is to spend it because when you don't put money into the economy, it shuts down. And there are several ways to put money into the economy. That's through businesses hiring people and paying them salaries. That's through the government pumping money when needed through its fiscal policies into the economy. That's the government using monetary policies or fiscal policies to do something to interest rates. And that means people who are consumers putting money into the economy through spending and purchasing things. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's that people are spending the stimulus money that they were given is a good thing. What tends to happen in economies is when businesses get stimulus money, they don't spend it. They tuck it away. They don't make new hires. They furlough people and don't pay them salaries. And then when you don't have larger, more well-funded actors capitalizing the economy, it shuts down. And, and so I, I wouldn't necessarily, and I'm not saying that you're doing this, but I wouldn't necessarily cast a sideways eye toward people who are spending the money because that's... No, I am. I oh. am casting a sideways eye. I'm casting a front way eye because most people applied for this because they did not have any money to, in the first place. So if you don't have money to pay your rent because your job was impacted and you lost your whole salary and you, your kids are home with you, so you had a, your increase in the amount of food that you got. And some counties and some places gave people food stamps, additional food stamps to cover the kids being home and everybody being home. So for Black Americans who are already behind, not all, but who are already behind, you get this money and the first thing you do is just go running and go shopping and, and buy things that you don't actually need because this wasn't supposed to last for a whole year. This is supposed to help you secure your livelihood so you can figure out what's next. And now it's up. So where are we? Because if you didn't get your job back and they have not extended it or had a conversation about what the extensions look like, because you're not they're not going to get the same money. They're already talking about giving them half of that. So well, now where are you? Okay, so obviously where you where you're at is if you didn't manage your money um, in a way that was prudent, then you have zero dollars. But if you have a car, the hope is then you can use that car as a as an asset producing vehicle. Right, and, and so, but again, I get the, the argument and casting side eyes and left eyes and front eyes and whichever way, you know, people are casting their eyes. But again, people are capitalizing the economy by, by, by spending, right? Um, and so that's the concept I definitely want to, um, to say. When we pay rent, and I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't if we enter into a, a rental agreement, what we are doing is enriching other people. 
right? It's to my mind, it's far better if you can to own your own apartment even or house because you are paying yourself, so to speak. You're putting, you're, you're creating equity and wealth through a piece of property that one day after you pay the mortgage roll off will be yours. Um, so that's, that's that way. But, and, and not that um, it makes it right, but corporations get this kind of welfare all the time through tax breaks, through tax incentives. I mean, think about what was happening when Amazon was talking about coming into Queens. The, the, the Blasio and Cuomo administrations for the most part were giving away virtually Long Island City to allure Amazon to, 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 Amazon, uh, to uh, Long Island City. They would have at most created, I guess, 50 to 100 jobs. But what, and, and they would have, yeah, they would have paid some salaries and created some tax revenue. But the tax revenue that they would have generated through employing people and those people paying taxes would no way equal the tax rates that the city and the state would have given to Amazon to bring business there. And so my thing is, again, when we point fingers at people for gaming a system, we tend to point those fingers in a negative way at black and brown people. But when corporate America does it or when white people do it, it's, you know, you don't hear the outrage. Well, partly, so one, you're gonna hear the outrage for me because we're already behind. Like we can't afford to do what these large corporations are doing. And to, to a degree, they're doing what they should be doing. They're protecting their interests. They get bailed out with taxpayer money. I get it. But so this was our bailout. This was taxpayers. Um, this was our bailout. And I think that we deserved or reserved the right to protect our interests. We're going to feed into an economy that's not really supporting us. Like, well, I don't think that we're always thinking about um, the long-term effects of what this purchase is. When people rush to buy cars, especially people who've never had cars, there's so many fees that goes into having a car. But here's, but here's my, my pushback on this. And I actually, I love this volley that we're having, by the way. Uh, you know, especially in urban areas, if people are buying cars, mm -hmm. I don't blame them. Who wants to get on the train or the bus where you are enclosed in? People don't want to wear masks. It's packed to the hilt and you can catch COVID. I think if that was me. If you didn't have the money to get a car but, and you went and got a car during COVID that you have no full way of really ensuring that you can fit, finish paying for that car, that is not a purchase that you should have made. It may not have been a purchase you should have made. However, I, I can sort of follow the thought pattern, right? And people think in the short term. That's, that's the American way, unfortunately. We don't take the long view. We 
we, uh, this country is a very here and now, me, 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 what can I get out of stuff today? And that's why it's in the debt that it's in because it doesn't think long-term. And so people, people emulate what they see. And if this is what they see and how they're socialized, this is what they're gonna do. This is why people have no savings because their country, well, it's one of the reasons, their country doesn't have any savings. America runs a deficit, and the last time this country had um, a balanced budget, I want to say, where they had a surplus, may have been under uh, President Clinton. Mm -hmm. And then, and so that was better than 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so, again, not suggesting that people shouldn't be fiscally responsible with their own money, but people do what they are socialized to do and that people are buying a car during COVID-19 because either transportation has shut down or if it's running they don't want to subject themselves to it because of the vulnerabilities of a, of, of a subway or a transit system that could literally give you the gift forget um give you COVID, you know and and given what we talked about last week uh, about the doomsday preppers and how people want to be able to move in a moment's notice this could be the rationale from which people are operating and making purchases of a vehicle if they need to get up out of town because things go left really fast who's going to be waiting for the number two train? And it's only going as far as 241st Street. I'm going to be honest with you. And and people will probably have something to say about this. I hardly think that the person's rationale was a preparation. <laughs> and you may have like one out of maybe 30,000 people who will afford a car. And I don't want to harp on the car situation as much as I've seen even in my complex, I've seen more flat screen TV boxes in the garbage area than Christmas time. People got like, to see the news. No. That's not the news. I'm coming outside to throw my garbage out and I can see people are literally buying TVs. There is like um, a delivery truck here for furniture like every, it's been almost every week since. Mm. COVID. So people are, people are shopping. Mm -hmm. And I just don't necessarily know when we are in uncertain times, when everything right. is up in the air, when you have this administration who is blatant about the things that they're doing. Right. It well, just seems like if you're getting this small window of a buyout, right? With a stimulus check, whatever additional funds that they're giving you, you should hold on because you don't know what's going to happen next. Like no one's talking about it, but we're definitely going to have a shutdown. We're going to have another shutdown. Well, we're, we're talking about it, but here's, here's what I'm, I'm going to uh, push back and say, and, and it could be kind of right. Uh, crazy to think about 
but it's not too far off. If we, if this country keeps going the way it's going, it's going to go into not a great recession, but another great depression. And if that happens, the value of money becomes zero. Oh, I shouldn't do that. Don't make the, um, that, that side. But mm -hmm. the value of money becomes zero. And so to, to make the counter to your argument, people are spending money and buying things that they want and or possibly need Mm -hmm. because there's a strong possibility that the value of money is going to go to zero. That's what happened during the Great Depression. People were jumping out of windows because they, in, in, a, in a twinkling of an eye, in a moment's notice, they went from being millionaires and billionaires to paupers because the value of their money went to zero. I believe, if, if I remember correctly, from what I was taught in school or reading in the history books, people were papering, wallpapering their, their walls with, with currency because it was worthless. The value of it was zero. So and what's that happening, right? That happening again, what's, how does that even impact black people in a negative way? Well, in, in a negative way, so, in my mind, I'm like, that gives us another opportunity, fair game, of we can make something out of nothing because we've been known to do it so right. many times before. And so what, and again, this is, this probably sounds like crazy talk to some of our listeners, but history repeats itself, whether or not we learn from it. And even if we do learn from it and just refuse to change our behavior. Mm -hmm. And so if it gets to a point where the currency that the economy uses that allows one to buy and sell becomes devalued to the point where it's not good for any kind of debts, public or private, as is written on the currency's face, we go back perhaps to a barter system. And that's why it's, as you have been saying, and, and what you do when you are working with people to prepare for the project management certification mm -hmm. and, and other uh, things so they can have skills, this is why it's important to, to have a skilled trade, something that you can offer someone in exchange for something that you need. And, uh, and again, of course, I, I don't know that this is happening, but the telltale signs are there for sure that if, if people just start hoarding money and don't spend it, and if people are not able to purchase things, Things lose their value. So think, think about this too from an economic perspective. When things are scarce, they become more valuable. But when they are not demanded, they become more cheap. And so if, if no one is demanding anything, all of this inventory and stock 
that stores have, uh, it's it's probably being sold pretty cheaply, right? So I remember back in the day when the big big 32 inch TVs came out that looked like you know <laughs> that looked like big ass boxes. My grandma yeah. had one. I I still have one in in my storage unit. It's like a 35 inch or whatever. Yeah, that's great. Um, but you paid close to five thousand dollars for that. A thirty-two inch TV now, you could use it to take an eye test. It's um you can get one of those for two hundred dollars. Pretty much. So you know, I I just I think even if so even if uh folks who have gotten stimulus checks and who are getting unemployment checks um are making purchases that some might think is think of as frivolous, they are maybe buying things that they never had the opportunity to have before. And yes. Which doesn't mean, so you said that, which doesn't mean that you need it. It means that you found a reason to justify making this purchase. Right. And in the long term, is that going to help you? When you are two months from now, you have no more stimulus money, no more um, unemployment money. Your landlord is looking to put you out. You have no money for food, but you have this car. Maybe, look, the money is spent, so. But this is important for people to think about. Like, nothing that anyone gives you is free, right? There's no such thing as free money. So we know that the stimulus it's coming from us, the people who've already worked hard and put into this economy. This is literally our small little charitable, here, hold this for a second. For those of us who've been able to get a lot out of this situation from unemployment to food stamps, to stimulus checks, to reoccurring um, unemployment, this is an opportunity for you to put yourself in a position to not be asked out. That's really the point. Like there are so many ways for you. I've personally saved so much money um, by sitting home and working from home, like paying less gas, insurance. I mean, they gave me a little $45 credit three months in a row. I really think they should have cut it a little bit more than that, but a whole whatever. lot more. You ain't a whole lot a more. risk. Yeah. Gas has been cheap. Um, I've been eating out less, even though I have a, a horrible addiction to DoorDash and Postmates. Especially now that Ming is going for the summer, it's just me. So I can order some takeout and I'll eat that today and tomorrow. <laughs> like <laughs> so I'm trying to work on that. But for the most part, I've been saving. Yeah. And well, in, in this process, I don't, both of my credit cards are at zero balance. All right. When that little stimulus check came, it was like $1,700. I took 500 and threw it into my, um, my Robinhood account to buy some stocks. Like I'm just starting to really play around and buy stocks and look and see what that looks like. And the other half of that money went into my savings account. And I know like people are like, oh, well, everybody's not able to do that. Now, a lot of us are able to do that. We just choose not to. 
It's like you get money and it burn. My grandfather used to say, um, here, you know, if he give you money, what you going to do with it? Oh, I'm going to go buy some candy. You better keep that money. It's burning a hole in your pocket as soon as you get it. Yeah. Stop looking yeah. to go spend something with it. Just sit down and be still with it. And that's the problem. Like, we don't know how to be still with money. We don't know how to make smart purchases. And I can't say that our government is a best example of leadership at all. Right. Even just how they put this package together. I'm curious. Do you know what calculations or formulas went into deciding what they were going to give us? So I think they consulted the Magic 8-Ball app. They shook it really hard and said how much money we should give these citizens. And the Magic 8-Ball returned and said, you should give them nothing. And then they shook it again. And no, that's not what happened. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty sure there is a formula. But formula aside, it's just the back and forth of both sides of the aisle coming to an agreement on what should happen. Now, I will say this. Congress has not reauthorized a stimulus check and, and the, the um, extension of the extra unemployment funds. But there's a reason behind it, not that it's necessarily a good one because to my mind, it's an easy fix. Stop doing things that you're doing and let it only be stimulus money. But a lot of times when these financial packages and not just for bailouts for the American economy happen, but any sort of bill that is passed in the legislative branch of our federal government and probably even the state government too, both sides of the aisle want to put other stuff into the bill that kind of have nothing to do with the bill. And mm -hmm. so it inflates the cost of it and it makes Congress who is charged with managing the, the purse strings of this country, it, it puts them at an impasse for getting a bill passed. But what is very troubling to me and this is outside of what their beliefs are about any particular culture and what they're going to do with their money, right? That they would go on break, fully still receiving their salary, their benefits, having a secure place to live, knowing that millions of Americans don't have the same. A lot of mm -hmm. people don't know where their next meal is coming from. And it was probably just a fraction of people, and I'm pretty sure not just black and brown people who went buck wild with their stimulus check. But if you give people money, it's theirs to do with what they want at the end of the day, right? So like when I used to give my son allowance, um, I would try to tell him, you know, and, and advise him how to spend his money but really at the end of the day once that transfer is made i have no control over how he spends it and, and so i just think that the thing that gets me is is that these millionaire and billionaires who are our legislators 
have gone home to their comfortable places with their cabinet stocked full of food and their bar stocked full of martinis and whatever else. Um, they have good health care, know when their next paycheck is coming in and where it's coming from. And, and, and you know, and this is not just me coming down on Republicans. This is both sides. Mm-hmm. Y'all have gone home and recessed and left millions of Americans with so many question marks. Because even if people didn't spend all of this money that they got in New York, $17,000 doesn't go that far, especially if your rent is over $2,000 or close to it. I agree. Especially if, you know, you have to shop at, at, at grocery stores and, and you don't get um, food stamps, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're spending at least $300 on groceries. I, so my, my household is, you know, pretty much just my husband and I, and our son pops in when he does. But every two weeks, we're spending close to $300 to $400 of our income for food. Right. And, and the prices are going up and up. It is. And so $17,000 in New York is not a lot at all so i don't well are we having another stimulus one if well if these people get back to doing their job and they can come to some sort of an agreement and why and did they, they co- stop doing it now because i guess it was time for them to go on vacation but um because they can't agree on how much or whether the extra unemployment money should continue. It's crazy that they even got a chance to go on vacation. Right. And and so there's that. But then I guess the other reason that it hasn't, that they haven't made a decision is because in, in, in this bill that they we're uh, trying to get through. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was 45, but um, I think 45 wanted in the bill money to make a new FBI building. I don't live in the FBI building. Nobody I know lives in the FBI building. Right. How about let's take that money and just give it to stimulus purposes. Right. And so I get it. If you build a new building, you're going to create jobs and people will pay taxes and all like that. But those jobs are not going to go to people that look like you and I. Right? Because when you think about the construction industry, it's unionized, but most of the people who are in that union don't necessarily look like uh, people who are black and brown. And so those jobs are not going to to go uh, to to people who could really, really, really benefit from them. And, and I'm not suggesting that white middle-class folks can't benefit from construction jobs, but we consistently get classed out of those jobs. And the fact that a lot of union 
jobs are going away and a lot of things are now being privatized is precipitating the decline of the black middle class. Mm -hmm. the, the black middle class was built in part on a lot of union and government type jobs. And as those disappear and go away, you see the middle class declining as well. I was looking for that tweet from our <laughs> lovely administration. Uh, and I'm just gonna paraphrase, but apparently he uh, made a statement that no longer will we have to gentrify areas and i'm i'm paraphrasing because yeah, I, I know what it is he, yeah, he told I, the middle class folk, he told the suburbanites that they don't have to worry about um low-income housing being built in their communities anymore i think that's what you're talking about yes that and then followed up with oh we should um we should this is going to be the most embarrassing election ever of, of the United States. There's going to be so much fraud with all of these ballots. We need to push it back. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just like, we need to push it back. We need to push back the election X, Y, and Z. And I'm just kind of like, this is three hours or maybe four hours after he tweeted that um, he was concerned or he's, you know, um, this was a make America great again. Like he's just all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there are things that are happening in the behind the scenes that we don't know. And all of these things are playing into play. So are we even going to have an election? with this additional stimulus is he going to wait until it's closer to election time to create this stimulus package that works for everyone until stuff gets crazy <laughs> like it's because it's going to be hard for all of us right in my mind i have this idea of which is not necessarily good but people are going to be going to the supermarket or trying to grab groceries and you got to make sure no one robs you or no one, you know, cause people are trying to feed their families. And yeah. I, this is going to go left really quickly mm -hmm. and not in a, not take a long time. I could see between a week to two weeks stuff really popping off. Well, and so there is a lot of stuff that is happening but again because people i guess are not connecting the dots <clears throat> or they're not able to connect the dots they they don't they're not able to see the picture mm -hmm. right so when he made that that uh tweet about the suburbs he was appealing to white suburban women um that's who he was appealing to and that he needs he definitely needs that block of voters if he expects to win in November. <clears throat> and I think all of the craziness that's coming out of his mouth is turning white suburban women off. And so that's his red meat that he's throwing to them. Things that are happening systemically that people may not be aware of 
and and you know he has referred to himself as a stable genius um i wouldn't suggest the stable part but there is definitely a machiavellian sort of streak in him and when the country and the elected officials on the left are talking about voting by mail and the public health officials are suggesting voting by mail because we don't know what's happening in the pandemic mm-hmm. and, and most people are cool with the idea because nobody wants to be standing in a line to vote and, and be in close proximity and possibly risk getting COVID. Mm-hmm. What his administration is doing, or I don't know if it's his administration, but the counter to voting by mail is what's happening in the post office. So some postal folks have been instructed, and by whom I don't know or don't recall, but I have read this, if you get too much mail and it is slowing you down, just leave it behind. So think what? about that. Yes, yeah, so think about that. And what happened in the Bronx uh, during the, uh, the, the primaries that we just had, there was uh, somebody who was running for elected office, I want to say at the state level, but because the ballots weren't postmarked, by the time that they were supposed to be, and they were in the post office, but the post office just did not postmark them, it cost that person the election, right? And so there is this messing with the postal system as a way to undermine voting by mail that is underway. And then on top of that, closing down polling stations that people that look like you and I, black women, would normally go to, or moving them so far out of the way that people can't get to them, or closing them on days that people would normally go. I think in the South, a lot of folks vote on Sunday. They go to church, and then after church, they go vote. But if the polling place is not open on Sunday now, um, how are you going to vote? Right. And, and, you know, Obama made a very great point that I have been, you know, saying for years, election should be, election day should be a federal holiday, should be a national holiday. Right. I agree. I mean, I get up, I get up at six o'clock or before six when it's election day and go vote early because I want to make sure that my vote is in and that it counts because mm-hmm. a lot of times I may be working late into the evening and get home or get back to my neighborhood and not enough time to vote so right. people have to you know people who care about it and, and who are able to will get up early and um, go vote but think about the mother the single mother who has you know a couple of, a couple of small kids on election day She's got to get up, get them ready, and then take them to the poll with her, and then try to, you know, get back home, maybe give them some breakfast, and then get them off to school. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's going to be a thing this year if, 
if schools are doing the remote thing, but still. Well, most places are doing remote. So and I know. She's gonna, she's gonna have to drag them with her uh, to, to the polling place. Right, or leave them home. But if they're that young, you can't. It's, it's really gonna, like all of this confusion is intentional. Oh, for sure. We know that this is um, intentional. Voter suppression is real. These are just things that are happening literally right in front of us. So it renders people to feel powerless. Like, so I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people are feeling, uh, and we've had this discussion before, but I mean, he sold the last election. What makes me think he's not gonna steal this election? So it really doesn't matter. My vote doesn't necessarily matter. And, you know, I'm not going to go down the whole long list of what my thoughts are about voting or not. But I think whatever you choose to do, um, there are some steps that you probably need to take anyway in advance. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I think I saw like a checklist, but you need to make sure like you're registered or you notify them and enough time that you want to do a mail-in ballot so that you can get it, you can receive it, and then you can send it off. Yeah. So I know there are time frames for all of that. So with this new election that's coming up, I wonder if there's going to be anything related to voting for the stimulus. So if, it, if there would, if there is, it would likely be a ballot question. I have not seen, and, and ballot questions depend on where you live in some instances, mm -hmm. because the ballot questions generally tend to be local issues. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I don't know that um, there would necessarily be a ballot question about stimulus, but my goodness, I mean, it, it's not rocket science. Millions and millions of people are out of work. They don't have a way to, feed themselves, clothe themselves, house themselves. So what so what is some things that we should that should automatically go in that everybody can benefit from? So rent is a major issue, right? And on the landlord side, they still have bills that they need to pay too. They have to make sure that the dwelling is paid for, right. the taxes is paid for. So what this argument like I've seen things where it's like, oh, okay, well, we should suspend rent for the whole year. Well, that could work if we're doing something for the landlord. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so whatever you do, right, so this is a simple math equation and not to minimize <clears throat> the complexity of the issue, but the, the principle is, is simple. Whatever you do to one side of the equation, you have to do to the other. They taught us that in, in grammar school math because it's an equation. And so at the end of the day, it has to be equal. Mm -hmm. So what's on the right side of the equal sign has to be the same as what's on the left side of the equal sign. And so if it means canceling rent or giving some sort of subsidy, uh, for rent, mm -hmm. you do that. So this way, the renter has a dwelling place and the the landlord has some income. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, <clears throat> and, and believe me, there is more than enough money in this federal government's budget to do this. They just, again, don't want to because of some, some cockamamie idea that they have in their head. Right, and so yes, the free rider problem is a real thing. That if you provide a benefit at no cost, a lot of people are gonna want that benefit. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but if you make this means tested and if you truly make it means tested and not in a punitive way and then provide something to the other side, then it, it could work, right? Um, <clears throat> there, there's talk also of canceling student debt, right? If a person is unemployed, why are you still, right? And so yes, student, student loans have gone into some uh, safe states because they understand people don't have the money, but they shouldn't still be accruing interest and that interest shouldn't still be tacked on. And I think that that's something that they have done as well. But it's, again, it's not, what is, what is generally tending to happen is all of these <clears throat> punitive things are happening or hitting people who are the most vulnerable in our economy and who are the least able to manage, right? So black people who go to college on average take out more student loans than <clears throat> white folks who go to college. And it's not because we are spendthrifts. White folks a lot of times don't have to take out a lot of loans to go to college because mommy and daddy have a house that they can take a second mortgage out on to pay for the cost of college, even though little Johnny and Susie don't qualify for tap and tell, right? But Shakisha and, you know, Ahmed may not have parents who own homes that they can take that second mortgage out on to pay for the education. And so while those two might get full tap and tell, full tap and tell don't cover the full cost of education. And so they have to take out student loans. And because they have to take out more student loans, the cost of their degree, even though it's the same amount of tuition in the long run costs them more because of the interest that is on those student loans. And then when they go into the workplace, whatever their starting salary is, most of that doesn't, they, they don't get to keep all of that. Whereas Susie and Johnny do because they are leaving college with no debt. So their full paycheck goes fully to them. Whereas, you know, Shakisha and Ahmed, their paycheck Part of it has to go for student loans. And, and I'm not suggesting that they shouldn't repay their student loans, but the whole mechanism behind how education is financed, it, it negatively impacts black and brown people 
And because <clears throat> we don't have the networks that our white counterparts do, we tend to get more and more education because that's what the narrative tells us. Education is the great equalizer and it opens all doors. What it opens the door to is you becoming broke because you have gotten all this education, but then on the other side, an employer doesn't give you the same shot that he might give to someone who may not even have a college degree, but because they know that person's parents, they get the job. Right? So a lot of these systems are punitive towards black and brown people in in a in an implicit way. So what's the what do you think could be the worst impact that having the stimulus given the stimulus, what's the negative impact for African Americans? Well <clears throat> I don't I so getting the money that's not necessarily negative because money is what we need to, to make to purchase goods and services. I think what tends to happen though <clears throat> is as you said, you know, there might be the need for, I don't know, maybe some financial literacy, but those things are not making their way to communities. But again, even before the the, the concept of financial literacy became uh, financial financial literacy became in vogue. These arrangements, the arrangement of our economy, and how transactions between the economy and people who look like us happen, we're at the starting gate, and we are just automatically devalued. Right? And, and so. But that's why I'm asking, like, what's the negative impact, right? So we know that there is going to be, we're going to have to pay this back in some way, shape, or form. Just well, yeah. people, American people in general. That's why I'm asking, what is the negative impact? How is this going to impact us even harder? I, well, and that's the part that we need to look at. And even if we're not able to come up with that answer or actually see that clearly right now, but at the end of this, we're going to be impacted. Even when it comes to next year doing our taxes, like we still have the last quarter of the year. Mm-hmm. Holidays is coming. This, I, the direction of where this looks like it's going is going to be pure mayhem, especially if the pandemic continues to pick up we see the cases picking up in different places Mm -hmm. but as we get into the winter months um, i can certainly see that we're going to have more cases so what does this look like for us financially and a stimulus package that possibly can support and carry everyone through the winter months so we can't have people homeless during a pandemic exactly and the economy is shot in the winter like that's just that's no and and so what i i think part of the impact is going to be rhetorically is that people are going to blame sick and poor and black and brown communities for why we are in the situation that we're in Mm -hmm. people are going to blame 
the coronavirus for why we're in the situation that we're in. Because according to the stats, prior to COVID, unemployment was at the lowest levels that it had ever been. However, while statistically that may have been true, what I would suggest is that part of why it was so low was because a lot of people were working two and three jobs to make ends meet, number one. And then secondly, a lot of the jobs that people have in this gig economy, mm -hmm. they are not considered employees. They are considered business owners. And mm -hmm. so if you are a business owner, you're not an employee and you're not therefore counted in that unemployment number. All right, so that's a that's a, a very nasty and ugly trick. And mm -hmm. states have been fighting these gig economy jobs <clears throat> to make them reclassify the people that work for them as W-2 employees and not 1099 independent contractors. No, but I mean, that's the point. You, that's not the issue, right? Like there are companies who can't afford to bring people in-house and switch them over to W-2s and, and some model, but does it make sense? Then it takes away from the freedom and the flexibility of people being able to work when they want to and compared to working thing. because they have to. Right. There so are loads of benefits for people who are doing 1099. So I, that's good. That would be major pushback for me. Uh, so, but, so, but then here's the thing, right? And not to cut you off, I totally agree with you. But if you're going to treat me as an independent contractor, then I should be able to tell you what my rate is. But that's not how it works. That is how it works. When you are doing gig economy work, depending on which gigs that you're working on, you set your hourly rate. No, and I'm not people... you, of what they pay you. Yes, you do. So for Uber and Lyft, no, they have their set fees and then you get paid for mileage and you have all of these different forms of reimbursement. But when you do things like TaskRabbit or Upwork or Guru, where people are hiring you based on your skill set, you set the wage. Right. So people are, um, you know, of course people are looking for a deal. It could be smaller companies, individuals but you set your competitive wages. And so you're in control of that. So, okay. So then touche, but, but things like TaskRabbit and Upwork and Fiverr, those are skilled uh, workers. So the things like the Uber and the Lyft and the Seamless and things like that, I don't think you get to set. No, but, you don't get to but, set. But then, but then you shouldn't be considered a 1099 contract employee. Why? Because your wages are being dictated to you by your employer. They're how not being dictated. You make how much you need to make based on how many hours you're choosing to work. Right. But the whole point of independent, being an independent contractor is having full autonomy. If you don't have full autonomy, even to the point of saying, my hourly rate is for my services is going to be X. And so in that way, it becomes a race to the bottom where you're essentially working for free. And that's not cool. And a lot of people who are in those 
jobs are low income for black and brown folks, at least in the city. And so that's why you have states pushing back against companies like Uber and Lyft to say, no, nah, son, you can't say that they're independent contractors because they don't get the right to say how much they want to charge you for providing you with the service. You're dictating to them how much you are going to pay them. And that is the hallmark of a W-2 employee, not a 1099 independent contractor. Right. I just don't know if I would change that, honestly. I think that there are, um, anytime you're freelancing and you're doing things independently and on your own, on your own schedule, it, there are going to be some things that you have to trade off. So of course, like you have to find your own health insurance. Um, there are small little unions that they have where they offer like a freelance union where you can get, those things are expensive. And so when you find, when you find a groove and you get yourself into a position to where you know here's this is what i'm working this is how many hours this is what i'm going to do this is what i'm making mm -hmm. um it can be very beneficial no doubt but the trade-off should not be on you versus the person you're providing the service for telling you what your wages are going to be but yeah, those individuals haven't been left out they receive stimulus packages no, no no i get that i get that and that's good, but just in terms of how, how this whole gig economy works, a lot of people who are unskilled that do that, they get the crappy end of the stick, particularly if they are in these unskilled delivery type uh, jobs where they are dictated to what the hourly rate is going to be that they will get paid, number one. And then secondly, as restaurants and other things close down, those jobs are going away. Uh, and so back to bringing, bringing the conversation back to something that we said earlier, if the value of money goes to zero, people need to learn some skills because that is going to be the new currency and how, to my mind, you are able to maintain. Right. But so there is a skill to learning, right? And there is a skill to learning new skills. Most people would have to not be in duress to process and sit down and learn something new to help them get out of a current situation. So while people need to learn new skills, yes, I think that that's something that Jay should have actively been doing since the quarantine, because mm -hmm. if stuff hits the fan next Friday, majority of people are not going to be on Saturday, Sunday, sitting now being able to focus to learn something new. Yeah. Because they're going to need immediate, uh, a return, an immediate return. But this goes back to something that you said in one of our earlier episodes poverty is a business mm -hmm. right and and so people being poor is going to benefit somebody not the poor people obviously
but it's going to benefit somebody. Pretty much. So I don't know. I think, do you think we're headed for a great depression with or without the stimulus? So even with the stimulus, right, this is, and, and again, grateful for whatever it is that can happen, but this is not enough. This is not even a band-aid on a problem. This, this is like a, the tiniest piece of scotch tape that you're trying to put over a gaping, sopping, bloody, wet wound. It's not going to hold anything. Oh, God. Uh, no. <laughs> that's my alarm. Sorry. That's all right. Um, wow. It, uh, it's not going to do anything. And so Congress needs to, right? And, and it is just unfortunate that, you know, people like John Lewis have, have gone on. He was the conscience. That was his his nickname in Congress, the conscience, right? Mm -hmm. You and, and one of the things that he would say from his younger days is if you see something that is not right, if you see something that is wrong, you have an obligation to stand up and do something and say something. Mm -hmm. This 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 legislative branch and, and it's you know, not just at the federal level, but state levels too, and local levels. They see what is happening, but I guess at the local level, um, they their hands are constrained because the state dictates in some ways what they have the power to do. But they see that this is happening and, and in some ways, I don't know if they're sitting idly by, but you guys have the power to do something about it and you're just playing politics as usual while the country is is headed for a cliff right if the country goes over you going with it well maybe that's what they want well if right it is. like sometimes so out of chaos comes out of chaos there's going to be some wins for people so who has the most to gain from this? Uh, I would suggest Donald Trump. Because everyone who is in the current administration, we could say that, oh, they would go down with the ship and they're losing, but- no, they wouldn't. I think Donald Trump is sowing seeds to not leave office. And the person, right? So there's this, uh, there's this adage that says, possession is nine-tenths of the law. And if you've ever watched how dictators come to power, you know, they come in as though they want to do good for the country and, and stuff like that. And maybe they start out with good intentions. I don't know. Um, but then they just refuse to leave. Right? And the other branches of government become impotent and do not have the power either because it has been taken from them or because in our case where Congress is concerned, they have just readily surrendered it. And then the person just stays forever and ever. Right? And so Trump has already, Trump has already <laughs> so Donald Trump is about to suge the US government. 
He, I mean, he probably, I don't see him leaving anyway without throwing a temper tantrum or doing something um, the way Obama gave him the White House. I don't see it being that type of civil warm handoff. Yeah. I don't think he's going to leave without um, doing something immature, even if it's to hit the damn you know, alleged red button, but something he's going to do to say. <laughs> not the red like, button. Not the red button. Like, I'm not going. And if I leave, everything, everybody coming with me kind of behavior. Yeah, so I want to go with him. But I mean, what, what will likely end up happening is we'll have, if, if the election becomes contested, then the Supreme Court is going to have to weigh in and say who won not just randomly so but based on you know the evidence mm-hmm. and i guess whoever can bring the best evidence is and the most persuasive evidence is the one who wins and so the the supreme court and and the federal courts are decidedly right leaning now and um although john justice chief justice john roberts has been siding with the the liberal justices of the courts on a few votes and that has um definitely pissed trump off but it's gonna be we are living in interesting times and i like boring i like boring times um because boring times are predictable, you know what to expect. And, but again, interesting times can be good because it has, these interesting times definitely are now showing us what most of us have known and have been sounding the alarm about for for ages. And do we fix it or do we just ignore it, right? So, this is our Overton window, where we can propose bold and audacious policies that won't seem so ridiculous because they are the policies that are needed to match the problems that we are experiencing. Well, th- we're in for, we're definitely in for interesting road. Just the anxiety of the elections approaching and how much is weighing on this and even just the outcome of one evil over the other. (laughs) There is just so much uncertainty over the next few months that I don't know how good that this is going to do for anyone. So uh, I guess the there's an interesting audience question. So what country would you consider moving to if America collapsed? Well, so a lot of people say that they would go to uh, Canada, but I don't know if Canada is it just because, you know, Black people have problems in Canada too. Um, and I don't know how much more Canada's economy can take because a lot of people moved there, I think, when Trump first took office. 
they they were getting the heck out of uh, out of Dodge. Maybe a, a, one of the countries in the Caribbean, although you know I'm not trying to get blown out to sea during hurricane season. Um, hey, I'm uh, supposed to move to the Bahamas. Um, I'm supposed to retire there and buy a little house and then sell ice cream. Is that really? I'm serious. That that's why I'm supposed to retire. So is that still the plan? It's still the plan, but I can't swim, so I don't want to be blown into <laughs> during a hurricane. But I definitely feel like I need I probably need to make this happen sooner or than later because I don't know about Canada either. Um, I do know that there are some places in Africa that people can go back to. I know Ghana has been very vocal in extending um, visa mm -hmm. uh, status to say that this is your home country if you get like DNA and it goes back to that. So, I mean, there's definitely options. Wherever we go, though, I, like you have to research wherever you're going because yeah. life is going to be completely different. It's not the same. They have a different set of dysfunction, mm -hmm. no matter where you're going. If it's Canada, if it's somewhere in Africa, if it's just Europe, anywhere else that you're leaving out of the United States, especially if you're Black, it's just a different level of challenges and it would be really important for you to research that before you go there yeah um, and just really see what's going on but also being clear about their economy like how do you fit in um, these are times when you're making a decision like this where your skills really matter and how can you still just work remotely wherever you are because the cost of living may be cheaper so i know like in vietnam the cost of living is far cheaper. Mm -hmm. I've had friends who've traveled and lived abroad in different places and, and have lived in very inexpensive places just for the sake of um, working remotely and just wanting to travel and kind of live wherever and figure things out. Right. So if you're a single person, it's one thing, but if you are a family moving with children, it's important to figure that part out. Right? Will the kids be able to go to school? There's all of these different things that you have to figure out. And I'm funny about food. I'm so funny about food. <laughs> so I might either get really skinny or gain a lot of weight because rice is, everyone makes rice the same way <laughs> everywhere. I hope so. <laughs> so I would be able to eat rice. But meats and stuff? No, I'm not. I'm good. Well, I mean, where did Tina move to? Tina Turner. <laughs> right? She seemed to be doing good. I and don't she, know. Where she, is she? She's either in Switzerland or one of them, you know, over uh, European countries. Oh, bless her heart. Yeah. She Buddhist and so what's our book suggestion? Uh, we need a call to action. So uh, call to action is you know, pretty much what we've been saying, particularly because <clears throat> so much is tied to who's in office. 
All right, so register to vote. If you're not registered and you know 15 or 20 other people who are not registered, get them registered and then when it comes time to vote, add them with you to the polls. And <clears throat> for New York, definitely fill out the census if you've not. For every person in New York that's undercounted, New York's gonna lose close to $2,700 per person for federally funded programs. So that's, that's, you know, that's a lot of money. And in the Bronx, they were, and they, they were the third uh, under, they were the third most undercounted county in the last census. And mm -hmm. so if you're losing out on close to $3,000 per person, and that's half of your borough, you're losing a lot of money and that's over a 10 year period. And, and so people just have to fill out that census. It, it takes less than 10 minutes to fill out. It's 10 short questions. You can do it online. Well, so people don't, like, I also think that it's important to, people are not filling out the census because they're not clear about how it best represents them. And when you have this administration where they're doing all of these different things to send ice to people's doors, like, people don't want those kind of issues. And um, people have been apprehensive about completing census surveys for years but it's just gotten increasingly worse now with the new administration and the lack of trust yeah. so i think that in order for census to be really effective there has to be a serious push in redefining what the census is being clear with the general public about what what the purpose of this is who it's serving what the intended outcome is but also like, how are you protected? I think that is critical. I don't see enough conversation happening, um, advising the public of how they are protected by even filling these things out. And if people don't feel safe, people feel like there's gonna be repercussions for them sharing or giving their feedback. Um, even though the census can be general, it's not as general when it's attached to your address. Right. Um, right. And so people need to feel protected. And so until they do, especially minorities, and they're not going to think about the long-term effects of what $2,700 looks like per person. They're not going to really understand that concept because for them, it's just kind of like, well, we've been living in these conditions and I want to continue living here peacefully. Right. So um, I do think that the other call to action too for individuals, if you need to find out where your stimulus check is, you can do that online. Uh, IRS, there's irs.gov. There are a few different tabs. You can check on your stimulus. I mean, I filed taxes as a business, so I just did my, all of my taxes like a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, right before the deadline. And so I just so happened to get my little stimulus. So I was grateful. Thank you. And if y'all send in another one, I'll gladly take it. <laughs>
and put it in my bank account so it can sit there. Uh, do you have a book suggestion? Not necessarily a book suggestion, but a, um, a news article from 2017 in the New York Post, and I put the link, uh, I, I'll put the link in um, the show notes. The title of the article is One Hampton's Party Explains What's Wrong with American Politics. And to just give an overview of what the article is about, right, what we see on TV is not really what happens in real life with regard to politicians. Um, and so <clears throat> when, when they are at these Hamptons parties, they're all chummy chummy. And it's like, there's nothing the matter with them. And when they are in, in doing, doing you know, legislative work and on the floor and debating and all like that, they are at each other's throats about what's wrong with why they're doing what they're doing. But in reality, you know, the, the overview of what the article is saying, it doesn't matter what party they belong to, they are all only in this for themselves. Um, and so that was, to me, pretty disturbing. And what it should be, to my mind, is a wake-up call for maybe some people to start running for office because some of these folks have been Congress people and senators for years and years and you know they they have recessed and they're still getting their paychecks and they have their health insurance and know what they're going to eat but you know you are in a rundown apartment with no source of income and might have to go to a food pantry and wait online and only to find out that they ran out of food and come back tomorrow. If you want that to change, maybe consider running for office yourself. Okay. So, yeah. Well, um, I think on, I don't have a book suggestion this week. Um, I think anything for me, I really want people to really just start thinking about their money habits. Um, this stimulus package, yes, um, can be beneficial. It could be, it could have been the savior for a lot of households. So I would never want to um, make it seem like this is not something that we can benefit from. Yeah, sure. There are some of us who definitely needed it. However, I really want Black people to really just start having real money conversations and really looking at their behavior with money and their spending habits and how much of the things that they are buying or that we are buying is need versus want. Because in uncertain times at this point, um, when we really don't know what's going to happen next, we don't really know if jobs are coming back, we don't know if there are additional stimulus funding, we still need to survive. We still need to be able to, if there's going to be a rush of a shutdown, we need at least three, $400 handy to run and get medication and to make sure we get like some dry foods to be in the house to make sure that if this lockdown happens, we're not completely asked out. Right. You have to make sure that we're not adding to 
um, we're not adding to our stress. Like we need to find our, our own ways to have some solutions um, so that we're not always depending on someone else or the government to come bail us out, but we're able to really rescue ourselves and be resourceful. So um, I think that this was an interesting topic. I just knew that when we said we were going to talk about this, I was going to be able to say that I didn't have a stimulus check and I was going to be able to go down that. <laughs> <laughs> so I just laughed last week when I got the letter and uh, opened the mailbox and I see a check. I said, "Uh oh, let me find out. Thank you so kindly. So thank you so much for joining us this episode. Uh, Dr. Branch, do you have some final thoughts? So final thoughts, I echo what you're saying. Although the government does have a responsibility to its people, it tends to shun its responsibility to those who are most vulnerable, unfortunately. And so we need to not wait for the government to come rescue us, even though they do have that responsibility to care for us. We, we just need to you know, pull our resources together and, and just be a little bit more smart about what it is that we do. I mean, we are frugal as a people because that's just how it is for us. We don't have that much. And so we can, as the old folks say, make a dollar out of 50 cents. But to you know, to, to Blacks as a community, I think we really need to pull together, and not just Blacks, for Blacks, for White, for anybody, we need to work together because this consistent division that is uh, damaging us, it, it, it makes no sense. Right? Everybody's getting nowhere really fast. And so if we work together and coordinate our efforts, we can, we, 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 we can get somewhere. Right? We, don't, we wouldn't necessarily have to choose between two evils if we would just decide to put aside our differences like Martin and Malcolm did and work together for the common good. And on that note, we will see you all party people uh, next week. We're so undecided about our next topic of discussion. It's kind of up in the air. Um, but uh, please let us know. Drop some suggestions. Uh, if you're not following us on Twitter, Hear Me Podcast. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Hear Me Podcast. And let us know your thoughts. If you are following our anchor and you subscribed, you can leave us voice messages there. So give us feedback, answer some questions. Um, let us know, have you been reading the books that we've been recommending? I also got, <laughs> so I got my hard copy in the mail of yeah. Optimism at All Costs, Black Attitudes, Activism, and Advancement in Obama's America by Dr. Leslie B. Branch. Okay, so I can't you. wait to bust this open and read it in its entirety, the hard copy. So I'm excited about that. 
So otherwise, be dope out here and be safe, party people. And please stay Rona free. Yes, Rona free. Wear your face coverings. <laughs> yes, face coverings are important for the moment. Thank you. On that note, it's everything. Thank you for joining us. You can catch our latest episodes every Tuesday. Hear Me is on Spotify and iTunes. And it's executive produced by me, Leslie Branch, and Lanier Logan. And big thanks to Lil Sourstruck who produced the beat. Till next time, hear me.